This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. Hey, what's up, conversationists? This is Ro from the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. You're about to embark on another awesome conversation with Pat and Charles. Thanks for helping them celebrate their road to 100. And that's the Scuttlebutt. Mandalorian season 2.5. No, it's ridiculous. It's part of Book of Boba Fett. Just because it's completely a Mandalorian episode with Din Djarin doesn't mean it's not to be viewed with Book of Boba Fett. No, because he wasn't in it. It wasn't Book of Boba Fett. I, it was the, Book of Mandalorian. The, the title card is Book of Boba Fett. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, like you're going to watch a series and then stop in the middle of it to cut out an episode... To watch a different time with a different show? They did, because they did it with a story. No! <laughs> that's that It's still Book of Boba... No. No, it goes like this. Because when it aired, you had all this time between Season 2 of Mando and Book of Boba Fett. So you need to know where Din is at this point in time. Where Grogu is at this point in time. Last we saw was he was with Luke and uh, Mando was like, all right, I guess this is it. You got to know what's what's going on at this point in time. You can't just watch it right after. It's not Mandalorian season three. It's one episode. Were we talking about Grand and Sith? Oh, yeah. Right. Oops. Hello episode. and welcome to Conversations. <laughs> I'm Charles. And I'm Pat and this is episode 95. Conclusion of the machete order. Sorry so, for the sidetrack. All right, so stop trying to distract me with this Book of Boba Fett Mandalorian nonsense. As you mentioned very early in our discussion in part one of this was that the clones and their relationship with Jedi and with themselves right. makes Order 66 just like a gut-wrenching scene because you, you get that history now from where they were and how uh, with that chip that they almost right. discovered, almost right. discovered, and it basically had no control. And we saw that with Rex, too, in, um, yes. in uh, that back end of the, uh, the Clone Wars Season 7. Such a weird montage to see on screen in Episode 3, because, you know, with the music and, and all the Jedi being cut down, you're supposed to feel something. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't seen the Clone Wars, you just don't. So You so see it, but yeah. you don't have that red And you're like, oh, they're all being killed by these... these faceless cogs in, in, you know, service to the Empire, obviously. So it's such a weird thing to experience without this backstory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And once you have this, it's like, oh my gosh, what a terrible thing. Yeah. Um, because you have actual sort of interactions between mm -hmm. them and, and them having each other's backs and them you know, protecting each other and leading each other and just really... You know, being brothers in arms, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and 
that's lost in just the films, which you get yeah through the series, and now now Revenge of the Sith is much more impactful. Mm-hmm. And yep. then, of course, season seven of the Clone Wars has several episodes that take place concurrently with the events in Revenge of the Sith. And the way they weave that seamlessly, you know, some of the scenes that we see in the movie yeah. with some hollows being, you know, sent from the field. And then we see that other side of it. And Mace Windu, very dismissive of Ahsoka. He's such a jerk. And, but those are like literally moments after some of the scenes that we see in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there was someone who had cut together the Revenge of the Sith with the last four episodes of season seven, um, basically surrounding Order 66. And I saw bits and pieces of it and some clips. My gosh, what a... Obviously, it's from animation to a live action. Put aside the visual and you get the story. It is massively impactful. In part one of this, you mentioned the arrogance of Anakin uh, when he sort of swoops in to save um, Obi-Wan and Cody on that bridge where they're fighting the advancing droid army. Cody... Obi-Wan trusts him with his life. Uh-huh. And yeah. then once Cody gets that Order 66 in the movie, did he miss him on purpose? Did he misfire a little bit? We're not quite sure. But you can just like, oh my gosh, after seeing all that time of them together yeah. on a moment with that chip, he's done and now he's now trying to take down the Jedi like all the other clones. Yes. <laughs> it's like, like a couple of the memes I've seen where like he gets the Order 66 he's like, couldn't you have done that five minutes sooner before I handed him back his lightsaber? <laughs> and then the other one, we're like, you know, going through Moss Eisley with the old Obi-Wan, Alec Guinness, right? And he's like, you know, when we see a stormtrooper, he's like, Commander Cody. And Commander Cody's like, oh, uh, General Kenobi, I missed you. I missed you too. No, I missed you when you were <laughs> fleeing. <laughs> That's hilarious. I know, so good. But um, yeah, so, so all that, it's a gut punch yeah. at that point because the relationships and the trust that's built up through the series. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, oh my God, yeah. what a mess. Yeah. And then, and you know, when you watch it after knowing the Clone Wars and knowing these clones and these Jedi and all, it's such a betrayal, which is exactly what it was intended to be. Mm-hmm. But you don't get that sense unless you watch the show. So watching the show, then you then you have a, a newfound uh, sort of heartbreak when watching it. So get ready. Yes. Um, until you have, it's like watching it initially. I was I was relatively emotionless. And with season seven, one of the most impactful for me, at least because of my affinity for Rex. But you see that how distraught he is and how he's fighting against this chip. Yeah, he's literally trying to kill Ahsoka on the bridge of uh, right one of the. Uh, battle cruisers he's literally trying to save her because he can't control what he's being told to do and ultimately he saves her and he she gets away right and that's that that conflict we never see it until this episode yeah and that's the other side of it is like some of them probably were more easily turned if it were you know if if it's a word right the ones that have much more strong relationship right they they have it kind of is like uh uh cause for pause yes and say hey wait a minute why am i yes. gonna fire on this person i've yep. entrusted my life to yep. who's delivered on several several battlefields mm-hmm. to yep. to have my back like mm-hmm. there's something wrong here yeah which i you know granted most of them would not but a select few would which you know yep. includes you know um captain rex yeah i don't think captain cody because he 
and uh, Commander Cody, rather. Yeah. Um, he and Obi-Wan didn't have this same type of relationship right. that Ahsoka had with Rex. Right, and they bonded very, yeah. very quickly in yes. the series. Yeah. Yes. So that, that brings you to then Revenge of the Sith and then that back four yes. of um, the Clone Wars Season yes. 7. Because it's that whole Order 66 um, supplementation there that, that, mm-hmm. that is concurrent with the film that gives you that whole different view of what's happening, what's yeah. going down. And the, one of the final scenes where Vader is on uh, that planet and we see the, uh, the helmets of the clones, including Oh, Rex's. yes. Aren't uh, Ahsoka's lightsabers there as well? Yes. And so that so uh-huh. gives them the, the escape as it were. Yes. And, uh, oh, they died in the battle. And now there's snow on the ground, so yeah. like their bodies are lost to the elements yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Which is kind of where the uh, where the Ahsoka book left it. Exactly. Where, yeah. where she left her sabers at Rex's quote-unquote grave. Yes. Yeah. So it's like, well, obviously that's Rex because she wouldn't have just left her sabers there if it right. wasn't as yeah. a remembrance mm-hmm. of him. Which doing that like that, and they did in the show, is like, not only is Rex really gone, but so is Ahsoka. Yeah. So, so it's a great way to bookend that entire yes. series. They can go on with the rest of the stories. And so now we come in. Now. The, the now. Proper, properly placed. Right. Now <laughs> we hit Obi-Wan Kenobi. Right. Because it starts with Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, that playback. And book. his failure and the Jedi's failure and the war being over and that they lost because they did. Yeah. And and just that weight on his shoulders is where you, you gotta put Obi Wan Kenobi in that in that slot because you have to see all that crap that went down in episode three to mm-hmm. know why he's in the place he is when Kenobi starts. And it gives him context. You, right. You, he, it situates the character and uh, the turmoil he's gone and the years that have passed. What, a good 10 years, right? Yeah. After yeah, because Luke 66. and Leia are 10 yeah. years old. Yeah. Yeah. The weight of Order 66 uh, weighs so heavily upon this series and every episode is very important because there's aspects throughout all of it um, that almost are required viewing, you know, where... Right, and and with this being a limited series, I mean, it's worth watching all of it because there are parts in every episode that impact the rest of the, the series itself yep. and the rest of the lore and the franchise itself. Um, and you got Tala. Yeah. Who's fantastic. Yeah, very cool. You've got uh, Ned B., Yes. He's, he's, yeah. he's one of the new, like, favorite droids. Yeah. He's a cool dude. Absolutely. And you've got nods to, like, Quinlan Voss yeah. and, and, uh, and other characters that you wouldn't know or care about if you hadn't watched the other stuff previously. Right. And there are nods to the Rebels characters. And uh-huh. so the Inquisitors, the impetus for this series is the guilt that he has with Order 66, but also with what happened on Mustafar with Anakin. And that roots this yeah. between the two series. And right. only does once he move beyond that and understands what's going on with it, that he sees Qui-Gon Jinn. Right. And he starts his path to being able to commune um, through the Force. And to being who we end up seeing in A New Hope. Right. So timeline-wise, it's a little bit right. out of sync with Rebels. Because, right. But 
it's but since there's no direct correlations or links between rebels or bad batch yeah and in the obi-wan series yeah it it fits perfectly here because it plays directly off of the events of episode three right and and how and the fallout of that and you know, when we last see Obi-Wan, he's going back to Tatooine with baby Luke to bring to mm-hmm. Owen and Beru. Yeah. And then here's Owen and Beru with 10-year-old Luke and yeah. they're doing their thing. You know, it makes very much sense to put this right after that to perpetuate that story yes. that we left at the end of episode three. Yeah. And the, the flashbacks are very much a Anakin-centric viewpoint, yeah. right? Yeah. He's cutting down the younglings. So it sets both sides of them where Anakin became Vader and Obi-Wan became guilt-ridden until right. they sort of meet and figure that out which is f- fantastic in the series that's why all six episodes are must-watches for sure yeah absolutely so then since that is independent from the other animated series mm-hmm. then you've you've got the Bad Batch yes which essentially kicks off right at Order 66 yeah where they're deployed with the rest of the stormtroopers to carry out Order 66. Depabalaba is a uh, Jedi master who is targeted, along with her Padawan, Caleb Dune. So, you know, those names may not mean much now, but so that kind of kicks off the Bad Batch and how they're, you know, Clone Force 99 and they're augmented clones yeah. that have... um sort of unnatural abilities. Um, <laughs> you know, each one of them is, is special and unique in their own way, but putting them all together, it's like, okay, well, this is a team that, that really is like a special ops team. Mm-hmm. So you get to see that. And again, the Bradley Baker, you know, having five different, very unique characters with essentially the same voice. Yes. And... Um, yeah, and they go through their various adventures, you know, to sort of stay alive and stay under the radar. Right, uh, because initially they're working with the Empire, and, and then they're like, wait, these dudes are bad, peace. And so most of them leave. So Crosshair is loyal to the Empire. Well, loyal, yeah, good follows, soldiers follow orders. orders. Mm-hmm. So basically... Heard that before. Yeah, exactly. The rest of the Bad Batch will lay low. They need credits, so they take a bunch of different little... Um, <laughs> little like mercenary jobs. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. Almost like the 18 yeah. slash 1980s, uh, Charlie yeah. Sheen, Rambo looking. Um, so you go a whole bunch of those adventures. <laughs> uh, until we get to the Ryloth arc, which again is part of the growing rebellion at this point. And the, uh, That's true. They've been through some crap. Yeah. So they're trying to do their best to keep their planet free. And we've got the father. The Sindulas. Sindulas, yeah. Yeah. So we meet a young uh, Harris Sindula. Jam is there. Jam, yeah. So that was a cool arc. So there's some very cool ties to the upcoming Rebel series. Right. There. Right. And you, you see the seeds of her, uh, not just piloting, but also uh, her independent flair and her leadership and her awesomeness. That was really cool. Yeah. And then... Um, uh, as you coined, episodes 14 through 16, <laughs> the uh, Camino Kablooey arc. <laughs> the Camino Kablooey arc, yes. If you're following closely, uh, Camino is where the, the clone facility so were located. Yeah. yeah. And the, you know, the clones were cloned there. Yeah. And now the Empire has to... Uh, you see in the prequels, you know that they are not above getting rid of something they don't want people to find. Yep. Which, like, on the star charts, Camino is not there. Exactly. The, the Book of Planets at Tat- 
the twin traders <laughs> in uh, Hollywood studios, there's a book that they have that's about all the planets and all. And there's a map in there, and, and Camino is missing from oh, the map. That's so cool. So they, they blipped it off the map so that no one could find it externally. And then, you know, in case somebody were to stumble upon it, <laughs> they also uh, took it upon themselves to destroy the cloning facility. Right. That entire <laughs> from episode two, um, that whole facility is just gone. Yeah. Toasted by the Empire. Ugh. They've they gotten what they wanted out of it. And yep. Tarkin's in that. And you see him. Also, the end of that series. It goes to Mount... Uh, what's that one? Um, the very, very end of that series. It goes to a... Um, yes. Uh, for the... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. facility. Yeah, I can't think of the name right now. But um, mm-hmm. that's where it really does end. I mean, the heroes make it off the planet before it's destroyed. A little bit of an assist almost from... Um, crosshair but uh yes yeah, so there's some very important uh pieces in those four episodes for sure again we were talking about bad batch it's like ah, oh, well what are we talking about but then it's like yeah it makes sense to include that because you've got these parts of the empire really growing in in strength and numbers mm-hmm. and and in expanding their reach and to and covering their tracks and all this kind of stuff that's like yeah, this is kind of important stuff to know on behalf of the Empire. Yeah. Because uh, they're sneaky bastards. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So we go from there into Star Wars Rebels. We do. Yeah. Next step in the evolution <laughs> of the Rebellion. And talk about an organized cell. And then we talked about just a few minutes ago with Harrison Dua. And she's like the rock of this little ragtag group. Of uh, herself and Kane and Sabine and Chopper and um, and Zeb while they're on Lothal, they recruit a new one. Yes, Ezra. Yeah. Exactly. So, but here's the deal: without Rebels, you never meet Chopper. Right. You don't get the brilliance of Ralph McQuarrie and his art coming to life. Yes. Namely, the Lasat, the inspiration for Chewbacca. Yes. And yep. Garazeb Aurelius. Yep. And even Vader's helmet is so oh, yeah. concept art based, and just just a lot of the the weaponry and and the ships and all is very Macquarie heavy, which is fine by me. <laughs> but that's the thing is like you 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 don't get to see that, or appreciate that, um, or really get to know these characters. That that you know, Kanan Jarrus is Caleb Dune that we just talked about from the Bad Batch. Yeah. Um, as an adult that is a Jedi that, you know, has to kind of hide mm-hmm. and do kind of the things he does through through the, the book A New Dawn. But then by the time we see him in Rebels, it's like he's quietly chipping away at the Empire. Mm-hmm. But again, why not hit him hard and fast once versus... You know, taking away little chunks. Oh, nice. <laughs> Nicely done. Yeah, and like the empires on Lethal, they're strip mining and they're taking their resources as they typically do um, for building some sort of big thing. Of course, we know what that's coming, but the coordinated effort across the galaxy to take all the resources from all these planets for mm-hmm. the eventual building of the Death Star. Another character who's introduced or at least plucked from the expanded universe is um, Grand Admiral Thrawn. And he's yes. this one of his pet projects is like this TIE Interceptor, I think, is his project. So he's looking to get that funded by the Empire. But the greater part of it, it's the Death Star. One of our favorites returning in Rebels is our favorite Hondo Anaka. You know, he becomes almost a mentor to Ezra <laughs> in his quirky way uh, and ultimately does uh, a 
help the rebels and the ghost crew in sort of a backwards He's way many times. <laughs> He's such a mess. But then, but then you also have the return of Maul. Yes. Which uh, he's he's very influential through this series as well. Yeah, for both Kanan and Ezra. Yeah, and and even Obi Wan Kenobi. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and this is unfortunately the end of his story, uh, Maul. But beautifully done, uh, yeah. touching, and revelations by both characters, and like sort of acceptance of where they are in their arcs between uh -huh. himself, Obi Wan, and for Maul. And also, it pivotal, like you said, for Ezra as a learning step, what he needs to do to become a better Jedi, and Kanan to understand just how quickly he could fail or someone else could take his place. So massively important for all the characters. And Kanan's lost his eyesight because That's of him. True. That's true. It's a whole thing where he's, his life is fundamentally changed by his yeah. encounter with Maul. Yeah. And we see a young Princess Leia. Um, you sort of see the, uh, the spark of her rebellion and yeah. what she's doing and how smart she is already. She's probably about 16 at this point. Um, other episodes, like we see um, some Mandalorian episodes with Sabine and the yes. and the handling of the Darksaber and how that affects Man the Mandalorians right. in the future. Hugely important. And more broken hand. Yes, exactly. I mean, you have a Mandalorian as part of the Ghost Crew, which is pretty awesome. Yes. Because, you know, you have the Mandalorians that you've seen so far that are like, Okay, you know, this Boba Fett, he kind of does his thing or whatever and doesn't really talk much and is a gunslinger or whatever. Yeah. But then now you get, like, a Mandalorian and you also get an artist. That's true. You don't see much art in Star Wars until her. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Very cool. And Thrawn takes that to his advantage because he's yes. to get a little bit of it, too. Yes. But some great art she did. A fine purveyor of art. That's true. That series ends with a massive sacrifice on behalf of Kanan oh, to save boy. the crew. Mm -hmm. uh, we see the burgeoning power of Ezra and yes. the Loth Wolves and as his allies. And we don't forget the Bendu. And the Bendu. Oh my gosh, the Bendu. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about like some deep lore stuff, you know, and very interesting characters and very agnostic to both the dark side and the light side of the Force. Very gray, as it were. You know, and yes. um, non-committal, but still right. helpful to both sides. Not helpful. You know what I mean? Like not helpful, but like giving equal information to both sides as they see right. fit. You know, keep right? Not to tip the scales. Right. And of course, we have the world between worlds, which is a very, yeah. very important. Which is super important to the future of Star Wars. Yeah. And we'll get to that exactly. But we jump to Return of the Jedi. We are finally right. back in the OT. Yes. It took a while of watching many seasons, many shows and supplemental material, but it's all important to the backstory that Luke experiences at the end of Empire when all this is revealed to him by Vader. Exactly. And it's all a part of his journey, you know, to where you came from to where you're going mm -hmm. for when we see him in Return of the Jedi. And the weight of the rebellion itself. Yes. Where how it's become so organized and so mm -hmm. many ships are now showing up in Endor and with Mon Mothma and yep. the whole crew fighting against the second Death Star at this point. And yes. Which is the culmination of all those different pieces. Right. Uh, once we see the end of uh, Return of the Jedi and the celebration at the end, then we watch that with the very last yes. episode of yes. Rebels, where it's a family reunion and farewell, where we see Ezra... Uh, taking Grand Admiral Thrawn 
using the space whales, as they're, as they're called, that have, uh, <laughs> have light speed capability. Yes. And he goes off into the somewhere and he's gone. We get the hint that Sabine and Ahsoka are now on a mission to go and find him. Yes. See that wonderful mural that she painted. <laughs> and that comes to fruition in Mandalorian. We're going to get to it in a few minutes. But um, what a fantastic end. And we get the epilogue that Hera yes. um, and Kanan, they, they, she was pregnant and they had a son. Yes. And they were part of the battle of Endor. And that's why we put that after the Return of the Jedi because that dovetails exactly right into that story of where that entire that movie ends and the entire original trilogy ends. And they're a critical part of it. Yeah, and then not only that, but then once you get into some of the series, okay, you get into The Mandalorian. Right. Before we get into that, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. So we're not going to get into The Mandalorian. Until after the break. Correct. I thought I told you to shave before we left. I did. Twice! My razor is awful. Is your shaving razor not cutting it? The new Ultra Edge Viber Blade by Lord Mantel Cosmetics will have you looking smooth every time. It's portable and it disintegrates the stubble on contact, so no mess. Hmm, let me give it a try. That's so much better, and just in time for the show. The Ultra Edge, for when you want the closest shave. Also available in Vibro Hedger for that special Wookiee in your life. Now we're back! We're back! <laughs> Alright, <laughs> so the streaming series, The Mandalorian, uh, which was the first one we blessed with at the uh, inception of Disney+. Plus. Yes, um, opening fact, day. Yeah, opening day, literally all dropped. Mm-hmm. And how game-changing that series was, how well-made that was, and the creators behind it, Dave Filoni and John Favreau, just yes. uh, knocked it out of the park with a character we weren't familiar with, but was still in the Star Wars universe, and they had right. so many cool little bits and pieces of Easter eggs, but also interesting new character, and yeah. giving him a whole new uh, galaxy to explore from a right. different angle. Yeah, and, uh, you know, like they had described several times, it's like they're playing in the sandbox with your older brother's toys he didn't want. <laughs> so, like, you've got this, like, weird Mandalorian that, like, kind of looks like Boba Fett, but, like, he's not. So it's like, well, let's, you know, repaint him. And you now he's, like, reflective, like, Beskar, like, cool. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, so you've got that familiarity, but also that's something new. Yeah. And then you've got the whole history of Mandalore, but then you have, like, these these Mandalorian loyalists, like, this, yeah. this group that he's a part of mm. that's, like, super regimented, I would mm-hmm. say. Yeah. Or, like, you know. Strict, uh, strict. Yeah, um, they've got their code. Code, exactly. And it's like, you know, you don't take your helmet off, you don't do this or that. They're almost, like, the kind of people that are, like, zealots, where, like, you know, they think, like, okay, well, Mandalore fell because most Mandalorians didn't stick by the by the creed, by the yes. code, you yeah. know? Yeah. And it's like, uh, Mandalore fell because the place was a mess. Yes. Um, and there's, like, so much infighting. Yeah. But anyway, so you've got that, but, you know, it's like this character, and then he finds Grogu, yeah. and then 
first he takes him for the bounty. And of yeah. course he goes back and gets him. Right. And then, you know, the covert risks their safety and their hideout for him to, to get him out and spring yeah. him loose. And, uh, and let's not forget our friend Dominic Pace. Exactly. Was, uh, as Gecko, Gecko yeah. through that series. And that's what's really cool about it is that the, it takes aspects of Star Wars and like, you know, Dominic and Gecko is a perfect example. Background character, really cool looking, yet it becomes an instant hit with the fans because of that cool look. Right. And then takes the entire story. You've got the, the, the Mandalorian code or the creed and expands upon that, gives it depth with the armorer, uh, who's almost like an arbiter of like, are you doing good or are you doing bad? She yeah. feels a lot of power. Uh, and we see that throughout both seasons, which are very, mm-hmm. very important mm-hmm. throughout both of them. And then you've got like, okay, so now what do I do with this guy? Okay, I can't find his species because we don't know the name <laughs> of it. So then it's like, okay, well, I, he can use the Force. So like, oh, and then the armor says as uh, Force-sensitive people. Okay, so Jedi. All right, cool, Jedi. So he's trying to find a Jedi. He himself is a foundling. Yes. So, and we see a few flashbacks to the fall of Mandalore and, and, the, yes. and uh, the Night of a Thousand Tears. You see some of those scenes and flashbacks. They weave those little nuggets in there. And right. uh, while still keeping the character independent and allowing him to interact with like Grief Karga and Cara Dune and mm-hmm. um, uh, Mayfield. Mayfield. Yeah. Uh, and sort of, again, but they're all sort of the mission is still against the Empire. Right. The and the sort of the new republic that's trying to uh-huh. sort of take foot, and uh, we get to see uh, Dave Filoni as a X-wing pilot who's, <laughs> you know, who's policing yes. the area. And, uh, he's the best. Uh, and that don't thing. forget, he's got the dark saber. That's right. Oh my god, the dark he's saber got the from, dark saber uh, from Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon at the end, of who's the also brilliant. Yes, fantastic. Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah. yeah moves us into the second season of Mandalorian, and we meet Ahsoka, and he deals with Bo-Katan. Played by Katie Sackhoff. Who voiced who, who Bo-Katan, Bo-Katan, Bo-Katan in the series, oh. which is perfect, because yeah. she looks fantastic yes. as Bo-Katan, and it's almost like she jumped off the drawing pad to yeah. the screen. Yeah. So, I mean, they obviously modeled her after yeah. Katie Sackhoff. Um, and she's one of the supposed rulers of Mandalore, or whatever, however it is, the status it is now. And that dark saber is the symbol of power for Mandalore, right? And he has it, you know. Yeah. So, as of this recording, still hasn't fully been explained yet. You know? So it's like, okay, well, there's still more to explore there. Yeah. But Dean gets the dark saber, and then they they get out of season one, yeah, and into season two, where he's like, all right, you know, I can only be a babysitter so long. I gotta find this kid's like mm-hmm. family, yeah. which is the Jedi. So. All right, cool. Hey, you know any Jedi? And they're like, I heard of a Jedi in that sector. So he goes to that sector. Yeah. Fine. And then, you know, it's like, oh, well, these people might know a Jedi. Uh, Bo-Katan knows this Jedi. Uh, Ahsoka. You know, so you're like, oh, cool, Ahsoka. You know, live action Ahsoka. That's going to be awesome, right? Yeah. So then you see Rosario Dawson play Ahsoka, which is fantastic. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, I can't train him. He's like, crap. Now I got to go <laughs> find another Jedi. I spent all this time finding this one. So then, of course, everything comes to a head with dark troopers and and the return of Giancarlo Esposito and Moff Gideon. It's looking pretty dim because he's got every one of his friends, which is like four people, (laughs) um, kind of helping him out, which includes Boba Fett Mm -hmm. at this point. Okay. So you got Boba Fett and and Fennec Shan. You've got uh, Cara Dune. You've got Grogu, of course, who's, you know, not doing much. 
But then you've got the uh, the Mandalorians that are with Bo Katan. Yeah. So like Casca Reeves and uh, and that guy. Fox. Uh, Is it Fox something? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Danger is knocking. Mm-hmm. It's punching, yeah. actually, on that door. <laughs> and um, so and it's funny because you got all these security you know, comms and all. It's like, uh, it's like, oh, great. One X-Wing. We're saved. <laughs> but, literally, that's what Cara Dune says, I think. But <laughs> it's not just any X-Wing. Yeah. Um, and just the, the reveal of that and the, and the secrecy of that is just so cool. Because, um, you know, you've got this hooded figure that... Uh, that comes to answer the call, mm-hmm. basically, uh, of Grogu, and then comes to take him away, and is all we yeah, know. Yeah. Is all we know. At this point, you're right. Yeah. So that's the f- season two finale. Mind-blowing. Of Mando. And then instead of adding the Mandalorian episode of Book of Boba Fett to this, we go to the Book of Boba, Boba Fett, Fett because that's how you do it. <laughs> like You have to watch them like that. Um, so then you go to Book of Boba Fett where you have like, Danny Trejo. Yes. Because why not? <laughs> and like another Rancor. Yeah. You've got like the Hut Twins. Yep. And let's not forget Chrysanthemum. Oh my God. How cool is yeah, he? Yeah, uh, he's awesome. And he was like plucked from the comics, right? Yeah, he's Bounty Hunter. Yeah. He's badass cool. dude. Yeah. He's like Chewbacca with a goatee <laughs> if you're a Star Trek fan. <laughs> he's awesome. And then you've got Cad Bane. That's true. Again, it's these characters that you've you've grown fond of that are in the, in the animated series that now are springing to life in live action. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And yeah, version of that <laughs> in Galaxy's Edge. Yes. Well, we need one on screen. Yes. For yeah. Hondo. Hondo. We need yeah. one. We need you one. You've got to feel they've it coming. Proven, yeah. They've proven that they can do it. Right. Because they do it in the thing in the Falcon. Yeah. And like, where he's like, videos. oh, that's it's not good. good. You've Brilliant. broken half it. of the ship. And you this know, is not the animatronic so, you're talking about. You're talking about the little video The screen. actor. Yes. yes the yeah. actor mm-hmm. that, that, is, that is convincingly portraying him in live action. Yes. They've proven they can do it. Now they just need to like hit record when they do it. And then publish it online. I mean, how awesome would it be? This is like thinking of the future. In the Ahsoka series that we know is coming, uh, they're chasing Ezra, of course. And what if Ezra's like shacked up with Hondo? <laughs> he's a pirate Jedi. <laughs> my favorite kind. Um, he's the only one left. Yeah. And he's so good. And like with Disney's investment in him mm-hmm. for the Galaxy's mm-hmm. Edge, like a lot of people don't know who he is. So for you to have him as a pivotal character in Galaxy's Edge, you have to have some sort of regard for him. Yeah, and he spanned all of these eras. Prequel, OT, sequel yes. now. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm not sure what the lifespan is mm. for his race, but... We're hoping centuries. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm demanding centuries. Right. Like, he needs to be around for another... Like, I hope he was part of, like, the old republic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for a thousand generations i know i was there um so um not to get off topic with hondo but we're on. but anytime i get the chance to get off topic with hondo i will take, you take it. it you've got these characters from these series the clone wars and rebels and all that mm-hmm. are bringing to life on screen through these projects and yeah. and off the pages in because in the case of chrysanthemum and all yes and so then the other aspect of this entire series is how Boba Fett survived Sarlacc. Oh, yeah, that's and right. That's like he survived the, the Sarlacc. Yes, yeah, sort of pivotal. 
Um, yes. And how he became part of one tribe in particular. And while he was sort of almost like a captive at the start, he becomes <laughs> like a, a quiet leader. Um, right. And, he understands. and let's not forget the other captive that he's with is that two-faced Rodian. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Ugh. Who's like, I hated him because he was such a little jerk. And then he was like a tattletale. Yes. And I was like, oh, Sam Whitbury? Yeah, he's my favorite Rodian <laughs> of all time. Now he's my favorite. Right, exactly. <laughs> Can't forget to mention him. Right. Um, and so we, he becomes the major domo. No, he the daimo. The daimo. Of yeah. Tatooine in place of... Jabba, well, not of all of Tatooine. No, of um, his sector. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, and it's very yeah. divided in there, and so it's like factions right. and all this. And yeah, because you've got like the spice trade running through, yeah. which we see in the series, mm-hmm. which is great. Mm-hmm. As as our friend Rob would say, uh, the, the Pike's taking uh, public transit. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, so you see that firsthand. You understand why like smugglers are on that planet. Yes. You know, as you've seen Han Solo and all this, like, well, yeah. that's why he's here because yeah. you can smuggle stuff and no, nobody's looking. Yeah. You know, so you know all that stuff, and to see Tatooine uh, in, in the aftermath yes. of the Galactic Civil War, yeah, that void, is, yeah, yeah, is yeah, and and to see these hatred with the with trooper buckets on spikes and stuff, mm-hmm. it's like the Wild West again. That's a brand new, yeah, which, brand new era. You know, and, when you get to season two of Mando, you've got the the, like the barkeep, the grizzled barkeep yeah. and all. And it's it's very Wild West-like. And then, of course, you know, with Book of Boba Fett, you've got Cad Bane and that yeah. sort of like standoff type of yeah. type of situation, which is awesome. And he's there to sort of protect the Spice Run, but also see what the heck's going on with Boba Fett because they have a long history. Yes. And they do have a duel and the interaction between the both of them. Um but Boba Fett's approach to the entire ruling of Tatooine, or at least his sector, is very different from what Jabba's was. So his arc... Was- well, Jabba ruled with fear. Yes, and he's trying to rule with respect. To- right. Yeah. And that's the problem is, you you know, you rule with fear, you'll keep most people in line, mm-hmm. but the ballsy ones are going to come after you. Right. And so he's always got yeah. a target on his back. Exactly. Yeah. And... Uh, you know how bad it is to have a target on your back. <laughs> that back of tank comes in handy. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, it does. Oh, man. Yeah, so you've got that whole story, which isn't, like, super pivotal to the overall lure of Star Wars. No. But it drags into the forefront a lot of these components that have been so prevalent in other projects. And it's a, an expansion of Boba Fett's character, who is, right. let's face it, one of the most beloved characters. Um, mm-hmm. for various reasons, and and so by pure virtue of the fact that he has his own series, makes yeah. it important because it's Boba Fett, you know. Right. And even with that deviation with Mandalorian season two point five, where he comes in to assist, and because Boba Fett helped him, now Mandalorian's returning the favor and helped right. him with his strike. Sure, sure. But we get an amazing episode with. Grogu and call outs to the lone wolf, yes. the wolf in the uh, wolf in the cub, I think it's called, where Grogu's given a choice of whether to join Luke on, on his path of training or his mentor or his mentor or his right? mentor, right? Or because yeah, because we don't want to spoil it, right? For right. those that may not have seen the finale of season right. two, <laughs> so that episode is like jaw dropping awesomeness and seeing Ahsoka standing beside Luke. 
it's just I've seen that episode several times. It's just, yeah, it's stunning every time. And then just seeing how they did it with the uh, you know the the gallery mm-hmm. and um and and sort of how all that came together to be what we see on screen is just is fantastic. Yeah, and so that's where it takes us to the end. Well, I mean, of course, the the end of the Boba Fett series, he. Rides that rancor and um, he does ride that rancor yeah, and uh, sort of saves the day and and uh, ends that series and he's got his reign is now there with um, mm-hmm. with Fennec with Shen. Fennec yeah and uh, that takes us into now we got a big gap and a jump now we got into Resistance yes which now is this prequel or side stories to the sequel trilogy yeah I would say I would say prequel because it it kind of um, it, it takes Force place Awakens and Last Jedi. Right? Well, uh, uh, some of oh, no, it right, because right. season one ends with the creation of Starkiller Base. Right. So Starkiller so Base is already a thing, right. When the sequel trilogy starts, right? Okay. So it, it's very much like right at that point. It's okay. like the Rogue One to uh, the Correct. OT, and uh, you know it's definitely a kids show. Yes, but there's some great episodes in there that uh, introduce Poe and BB-8, and you've got. Leia Organa, who's running the the show behind with the spy aspect of it, and yes. it definitely has important story strings into the sequel trilogy. And so we broke those down in the various episodes that we found that did tie those things directly or indirectly. How Kaz fits into it, and Tora and Captain Doza, all those all those yeah. characters. Sidewise, Jaeger. Uh, yeah, Jaeger is cool. massively important. Yeah, so, yeah. So there's definitely some uh, some great episodes in there that fit into the sequel trilogy. And unfortunately, it was fast-tracked at the end, and yes. it had that sense of it. So it, I think they did a disservice to this the series, but it uh, it still leads as a good precursor to the sequel trilogy, for sure. Yeah. So then that leads up to, like I said, the Starkiller base, and then Starkiller base is in Force Awakens. Yeah. And then you've got a couple kind of subplots of that show that run kind of um, concurrent with the Force Awakens and kind of the lead-in to Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. So then, of course, with that, you know, sort of bolstering the films, then you head into The Force Awakens. Yep. And then The Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. And then we watch Rogue One. No. Um, (laughs) No, okay. So, So then... You hit the rise of Skywalker yes. to cap off like the Skywalker saga. Mm-hmm. And then that does it for those. Yeah. But then since since we're still kind of dealing with Andor, mm-hmm. you watch those two seasons. Yeah. Which were halfway through season one well, now. Exactly. And then season two, and then you can jump right into Rogue One. Yes. And then Loop back around and start with a new hope again. <laughs> Just when you thought you were done. That's right. And you know, it's interesting how uh, we've talked about you know at length with David in that one episode, or Rob at Jedi Temple Archives podcast, and also Tom at Hyperion Adventures podcast with mm-hmm. Michelle. We've talked about the you know the sequel trilogy and the difficulties it had, but the streaming uh, shows that are doing now, like. The Mandalorian, for example, they're peppering in some of these cloning aspects. Right. Same with Bad Batch, you know, and yeah. alluding to that. And yeah. it, the ultimate endpoint is likely, in my opinion, is that somehow Palpatine returned. And that, that question what? will eventually be answered. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of people get bent out of shape about that. Yes. 
Like, it's a cop-out. Mm-hmm. But, like, the Expanded Universe, like, always had Palpatine returning. Oh, that's like, cool. Like, that was okay. always a part of the Expanded Universe, was, like, clones of Palpatine. In fact, like, Luke ended up going dark side to be an apprentice of one of the Palpatine clones. Like, that's been a thing since, like... <laughs> that's very cool. Like, the 90s. The 90s, because that's where the books came out. Right. right. So, like, people get bent out of shape that, like, it happened... Is foolish. Okay. Now, like, I understand people's gripe with how it happened. Well, yes, I agree. But, like, for them to be like, it happened, people were like, that's stupid. Well, I mean, they made a lot of content about it in Spanish Universe. So, like, like, don't get mad at that. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, again, you're dissatisfied with, with how they made it happen. But it's been alluded to for 30 years. Right. <laughs> and Disney has gone in and plucked certain elements from the expanded universe. Yes. Peppered it into, mm-hmm. um, uh, but into including the episode we just watched of Andor. Uh, yes. The Antiquities Dealer and Starkiller, um, like the, the armor. And then, yeah. So that's from the video games. So yep. that type of intra-textual elements right. only helps with that, you know, and then Thrawn is a great example. Thrawn, from what I understand, is mm-hmm. an expanded universe character to begin with. Absolutely. And when Timothy created him, uh, mm-hmm. he was in that EU, uh, and now yeah. he's been brought in because of Rebels. Now his most recent trilogy yeah. uh, is canon because yes. he's been brought up. Which is canon. which is a lot of his same character and, and arc mm-hmm. is now brought into the fold. Now yeah. there's certain other components that, that he had to kind of fit into in order to make him fit with, with current canon. Right. But yeah, with him being canon and all, and now now you've got, like you said, in the end of Rebels where Ezra and Thrawn are gone. Yes. It's like, well, okay, so he didn't deal with Ezra in the Expanded Universe, but Ezra wasn't a thing in the Expanded Universe. Correct. So now that you've got these characters that, that we're focused on and you bring these people into the fold it's like okay well now how do we get him in and what makes sense and now mm-hmm. now here he is with the rebels crew okay so now we've got this subplot where you know we've got rebels which is which right before the ot and you don't have thrown in the ot so again right. like how do you not have him there and then space whales and and hyperspace yeah. you know to to wherever and then they're lost in time and space right and then you jettison him out of the storyline. Right, right. And then bring him back in. And then, and then you've got the epilogue of Rebels where it's after the events of the OT. And Sabine's like, we got to find Ezra. Yeah. And Ezra's like, it's about time, dudes. It's been like <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> so that being said, now you've got these other opportunities for, you know, these other projects that are greenlit, that are happening yes. to feature these these other characters that yeah. have been hinted at. And all that says is that we'll be expanding the ultimate Pat and Charles viewing list in the future. Yeah. Because the stuff is coming. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. And eventually Andor will make it on and who knows, maybe it won't take two years, almost three years. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll take a See you in episode 174. <laughs> and we'll be arguing about something then Because that's 84 episodes <laughs> after this one. Nice. I know. <laughs> I had to crunch the numbers to say, make that, that happen. That's impressive math. I didn't yes, see you take a break there. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, it's a lot of content, mm-hmm. which for Star Wars fan is a great deal. Yeah. I mean, I love it. It's, it's a lot of content, but, you know, in order to really 
get a handle on a lot of the new stuff that's coming out, you, you have to kind of develop that foundation. Yeah. And that starts with Clone Wars and Rebels. So that list, all these episodes we talked about, all the movies we talked about in this two-parter, can be found at conversations.com forward slash UPAC hyphen machete. And that's our take on uh, the order of which we suggest and we, we've watched or enjoyed all of the film and entertainment for Star Wars. That's true. That is our preferred um, viewing order, which again can help uh, newer fans or fans that are trying to get, get their feet wet yeah. in the uh, uh, Star Wars galaxy. Right. Um, and then. If you want to really change it up, start adding in the video games. No, don't do that because what a mess. You have to quit your job. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, so our UPAC machete list is on our website, uh, nice conversations.com, uh, facebook.com slash conversations, Twitter at Suations, the Instas Conversations, link.tree slash conversations. And uh, we are part of the wonderful, brilliant, and fantastic Red 5 network, bio.link slash Red 5. There's a lot of other wonderful uh, podcasts on there, many of which we've name-dropped, and, um, you know, many of which that uh, we haven't that are also uh, brilliant and filled with Star Wars content and other nerdiness that um, that are, are a treasure to listen to. Absolutely. And with that being said, I'm going to go watch the You Pack Machete order. <laughs> See you next year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So that is that. If you uh, want to, um, you know, interject yeah. with your preferred viewing orders, then um, hit us up at one of the aforementioned uh, internet-based uh, communication services. Yes. And um, and let us know. Right. And if you have like a strong complaint about the uh, our order and how this we has did been it, the Jedi Temple Archives podcast, and available at JTA Podcast at <laughs> Gmail dot com. Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5Network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5Network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. <laughs>